right, welcome to this morning's Power Call for those who may be tuning in on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. Today we're going to be starting a lecture series by the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Well, it's a lecture series for us because we're not going to be able to finish it all in one setting. But uh, we're starting after difficulty comes ease. So if you're dealing with some difficulty, if you're dealing with some trials in your business, in your relationship, in your life, dealing with death or whatever you're going through, because obviously everybody's always going to be going through something. This lecture series is going to be very powerful, imperative for you. So make sure that you come on and you take notes, especially if you are on Zoom, because we want you to point out and say some of the things that stood out for you. All right, let's go ahead and get started. In the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful, the one God to whom all praise is due, the Lord of the worlds, and in the name of his true servant and last messenger, our beloved leader, teacher, and guide, the messenger of Allah, the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, I'm very happy and honored to greet you, my beloved brothers and sisters, with the greeting words of peace, in the Arabic language. Assalamu alaikum. I must say that again, I'm very happy to be home here at the Final Call Administration Building and thankful to Almighty God for the privilege of being able to address this audience here at the Final Call Building and those of you who are listening over this radio station, WBEE, and those who are listening via telephone hookup throughout the United States and also in the Caribbean. I am very honored to have this privilege to talk with you. In the Holy Quran, there is a scripture that reads, after difficulty comes ease. God, in his infinite wisdom, allows his chosen people and his chosen vessels to undergo great difficulty. Difficulty is not meant to break them. Difficulty is meant to shape them, to prepare them for his divine purpose. After difficulty comes Ease. Again, in the Holy Quran, Allah says to Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, Did not I find you an orphan? Did not I find you groping and showed you the way? Allah says to Muhammad, Your latter state will be better than your former state. These words were meant to comfort the Prophet of Islam as he was going through the trials of rejection of his own tribe, persecution, hatred, slander, vilification, maligning of his character. But he had to go through all of this and go through it 
with a certain character. When God puts upon his people a trial or an affliction, it is not that you go through it, but it is the manner that you go through it that determines the kind of character that you have. If you go through it cursing God with every step, he may be merciful to bring you through. But when you get on the other side after having cursed God and angered him with your pettiness and wondering why he would put you through this kind of affliction, after all, I've been faithful, I've said my prayers, I've tithed, I've done good. Why would you, God, allow me to suffer like this? As though, you know, God is under some obligation because we pray and fast and observe our duty that he should make it so easy for us in this life. But Allah says, as he introduces these chapters of trial and suffering, he introduces these chapters by saying, I, Allah, am the best knower. I created you in words. You are my servant. I want the best for you. But I cannot bring the best out of you that I have deposited in you if I make it easy for you. I brought you into a world, a world in which there is positive and negative. You were conceived in pleasure, but you were birthed in pain. I must give you the extremes. You must know joy and you must know sorrow. You must know pain and you must know pleasure. In order to understand the beauty of heaven, you must know the suffering of hell. You must, if you're going to reap the benefit of life, you must feel the sorrow and the pain of death. I brought you into the world and I give you these extremes in your life, not because I do not love you, but it is because I love you and I love myself and I know what I have put in you from myself for my glory. And since I created myself out of darkness and became light, then I want you to come the way that I have come, that you may evolve into me. I wonder, do you hear me? That you may evolve into me. God wants to make us into himself. He cannot do that with a life of ease. He must do it with trial and tribulation and suffering. And as he brings you out of the suffering, he gives you joy, then puts you back into suffering again. He makes it hot, then he makes it cool. But he's forging a people for his glory. After difficulty comes ease. Difficulty is a trial, but so is ease. Because when God makes it easy for you, will you then go to sleep on your duty and your responsibility to Him? 
Will you go to sleep and say, oh, well, I deserve this. I've been through a lot, you know. And time to pray? I'll pray another time. I'm busy now. I'm going to take a little nap. Well, you might nap out. Or as the boys who play dice say it, you may crap out. You don't want to play games with your destiny. God tries you with both extremes. Isn't it wonderful when we are happy, we can say, oh, I am so happy. And you feel great. But whenever something comes into our lives that makes us sad, maybe a death, an untimely death, Maybe we lose a loved one so very close to us. And then we entertain doubts about the greatness of God. Well, I want to say at this juncture of our subject matter that I do receive the reviling of me and the slander of me and the evil spoken of me with great joy. I'm not the least bit disturbed. Not at all. In fact, I feel better today than I have felt in a long time. Because I know that after difficulty comes ease. And if I can go through the trial, no matter what it costs me, as a servant of God, I should be willing to pay whatever price is necessary to see the people redeemed. And if I say that I love black people, and I do say that, should not I be forced to prove it? Anybody can say that you love your people, but what is the proof of your love? The proof of your love of your people is that you must be willing to die for their sake, that they might have the joy of life. I feel this morning so very grateful to Almighty God for blessing me with that kind of spirit that I am only too happy to suffer. No matter what it is, even death itself, I believe that I would die a happy man knowing that undeserved suffering is redemptive. I have not done anything of evil to deserve what these enemies are putting upon me and worse, what they plan against me. I have not done anything. Not a thing. So because I am innocent of that which they charge me with, then I feel like that lamb that is to be offered as a sacrifice for the redemption of a people. I feel like a son of Abraham 
who even though Abraham was asked to sacrifice the son, the son was willing to be sacrificed if it would please God. I feel just like that myself. I love black people and I want to see them free. I want to see them independent. I want to see black people not bowing to no power on the earth or in the heaven above, but to the power of their God and their creator. I want to see black men and women in love with themselves and in love with one another. I want to see us up from the foot of a cruel slave master, building factories for ourselves and producing the things that we consume. I want to see black men and women flying their own planes that are built in our own factories, navigating our own ships that are built in our own shipyards. I want to see black men and women free. And I will never be satisfied if Reverend Jackson became president tomorrow, I would not stop pushing for what we feel black people must have because a black man sitting in a white house being manipulated by white people is not my idea of being free. A black man is mayor over a city that he does not control is not my idea of being free. If black people are to chart their own destiny, we must not only have an office, we must have the power that goes with that office to make the changes necessary that all who live under our rule may live under a just rule with peace and freedom and equality of opportunity. We cannot do this under this governmental system. Therefore, this system has to be removed and a new world order set up. And that is what they fear from my mouth. I don't represent this world. I represent a world that is coming in. about Farrakhan that he's censured by the vice president saying that he gets that censure direct from the president now think over that a little brother that just two weeks ago or six weeks ago was just a little quiet fella moving in and out around and about now the president censures me. The vice president censures me. The candidates running for office censure me. The Jewish leaders censure me. The Democratic Committee censures me. Religious leaders Falwell has come out and condemned me. Now, I should be beaten down by now with these heavyweights.
But I ask the question, how come I don't feel the sting of your rebuke, but you quake at the sting of mine? I'm not trembling at all at you, but you tremble at what comes out of my mouth. I shut your mouths when I speak. You can't shut my mouth no matter what you threaten me with. Well, who am I then? I'm raising the question and I have the answer. Who am I in your midst? That you quake at my rebuke, but I don't shake at all. No matter if the Pope comes out against me, I will stop his mouth. What kind of man has God risen up among you? That he don't fear your censure, but you fear his. Who's backing up his rebuke? If my rebuke causes you to shake, and your rebuke don't cause me even to (laughs) raise a hair, then who is backing my rebuke of you? And what kind of waning power is it that you have that black people no longer care nothing about what you say? In the Holy Quran, in a chapter called The Food, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And when I reveal to this disciples saying, believe in me, this is Allah talking here, believe in me and my messenger, they said we believe and bear witness that we submit. And when the disciples said, oh Jesus, son of Mary, is thy Lord able to send down food to us from heaven? Jesus said, keep your duty to Allah if you are believers. The disciples said to Jesus, we desire to eat of it, talking about a food coming down from heaven, that our hearts should be at rest and that we may know that thou hast indeed spoken the truth to us that we may be witnesses thereof. Jesus, son of Mary, said, O Allah, our Lord, send down to us food from heaven, which should be to us an ever-recurring happiness to the first of us and the last of us, and a sign from thee, and give us sustenance, and thou art the best of the sustainers. Allah said, Surely I will send it down to you. 
But whoever disbelieves afterwards from among you, I will chastise him with a chastisement with which I will not chastise anyone among the nations. Now, I want us to just slow down a moment and we're going to think our way through this. Jesus' disciples are asking him for food from heaven. Now, we know that Jesus is not representing just the bread, the daily bread that comes up from the earth. All the food that you eat right now, the source of its life is clouds and water which comes down from heaven, but the food comes up to you and not down to you. Is that correct? All right. But this kind of food is a food that is sent down and it is not a food for the body as such. It is a food that would strengthen our hearts, that our hearts that are disturbed at this moment should be made at rest. And a confirming kind of food that bears witness that what Jesus said to them was and is the truth that they who are disturbed and somewhat confused might come alive again in that truth and become witnesses thereof. Then Jesus said, now he's praying, Oh, our Lord, send down to us food from heaven, which should be to us an ever-recurring happiness. The word in Arabic is id. And after the fast of Ramadan, and after the Hajj or pilgrimage, you have two feasts called Id, where food is prepared. And the Muslims have a sort of a festive, joyous occasion over food because they've come through a trial of 30 days of long, hard fasting and they've come through 10 days of a trial in that they made the sacred pilgrimage to Mecca. After both of these trials, there is a feast called Id where food is prepared and a festival of joy. When you add the 30 days of Ramadan with the 10 days of Hajj, you get 40 days. In the Quran, we are told that Allah gave Moses 30 nights and strengthened him with 10 more, meaning he had 40. 40 nights. All right, bear with me now. This is very significant to what I was talking about at the opening of our talk this afternoon. Now, 
Jesus in the New Testament is telling his disciples there are many things that I could tell you meaning I know the truth but because I don't tell it to you it doesn't mean that I don't love you there are many things that I could tell you but you cannot bear it now what does that mean it means beloved that even though you hunger for the truth you have to have a foundation mentally so that you will be prepared to accept certain truths there are certain truths that you are ready to accept right now but there are other truths which if given to you before you are ready for them will break you down Jesus knew this so he said to his disciples there are many things that I could tell you you just can't bear it now but when he is come talking about somebody else the spirit of truth he will guide you into all truth now Jesus is saying I'm going to send him unto you that means that he is less than Jesus because he couldn't be equal to Jesus if he's sent by Jesus. He's a lesser man. But nevertheless, I'm going to send him unto you and he's going to testify of me. He's going to tell you things or bear witness of me because I was in your midst but you didn't know me well. But I'm going to send you one who's going to testify of me. Jesus talking. Jesus speaks again. He says, I will pray the Father. Listen to these words. That he will send you another comforter. Now, Jesus being in the world is certainly a comforter to the people who yearn for righteousness. But he's about to leave the world. And he's telling his disciples, don't worry. I'm not going to leave you like this. I'm going to pray the Father. And he will send you another comforter. I'm a comforter, but this one when he comes, he'll be a comforter too. He'll be like a warm blanket in a chilly night. It won't be me, but it'll be from me. So if you accept him, you're accepting me. Look at these words now. Notice what he's supposed to do. He is supposed to testify of Jesus, but he's also supposed to rebuke two worlds. He rebukes the world of sin and the world of judgment because they believe not in me. All right. Now, when that man comes into the world, from the Jesus, listen carefully, testifying of that Jesus, bearing witness of that Jesus, bringing us into truths about the man that we were not able to bear when the man was among us, comforting us, with the understanding 
Then he rebukes the world of sin and of judgment. When he rebukes both those worlds, that rebuke is backed up by the Father and by Jesus. So the power of his rebuke is nothing to play with. I wonder, are you listening? Now this food that Jesus is praying for is a strengthening kind of food. Have you noticed that whenever God sends a major prophet, he always deals with the people's diet? Moses came to Israel and he had to stop Israel from eating the kind of food that Israel was eating. Because Pharaoh's diet was not a good diet for Israel. Is that right? Jesus talked about food, didn't he? Muhammad talked about food, didn't he? You got three great men of God, all of them changing the diet of the people. Now don't you realize, beloved, that if you and I are going to be made a great people, we can't be made a great people eating the filth of the earth and the filth of the sea. We must be taught how to eat better than what we are eating. For as food from the earth nourishes the cells of our body, builds up the blood which pours over the brain, and helps to bring up vision, then a people that eat dirty, unclean foods cannot have a clean body, nor can they think clean thoughts. So when God wants to make a people for his glory, he must start with their diet. He must start with their food. Is that right? Okay. But it don't, doesn't stop there. He gives you a better way to eat. And a better way to eat will actually start you thinking better. Food actually can make you think certain kinds of thoughts. S refraining from certain kinds of foods will actually make you have a different disposition, even change the nature. People that eat a lot of meat, Watch out now. People that eat red meat, blood running out of it, make mine rare. They are like the beasts. God gives animals the teeth to cut meat. And they cut it and they pull it. You don't have teeth like that. Some of you may be trying to get something like that. You don't have teeth like that. Your mouth is not made for that kind of eating. This is true. The more you eat meat, you become of the same spirit of those animals that eat meat. You become more warlike. So the meat-eating nations of the earth are really the warlike nations. Those vegetarian nations of the earth and those that eat 
uh, uh, life from the sea are more peaceful. That's true. There's something about food that shapes sometimes the way you think. When God wants to make a people for his glory, he must change the way they eat. All right? We're dealing with food now. Well, once you start changing the way a people eat, you start preparing the vessel for something better to come into the brain. Now the real food is food sent down from heaven. What food is that? Now you've never seen corn, you know, fall down or some nice vegetables fall out of the sky. What you look for from heaven is knowledge. For it is only knowledge and wisdom and understanding that eases the heart, rests the heart when you're going through a trial. When you're going through tribulation, it's knowledge, isn't it? And knowledge confirms what you were taught by a great teacher or denies it. Are you listening? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We have had in our midst a great teacher, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And it is my thinking that even though he worked among us 40, notice the words, 40 years, and they were considered night, 40 nights. Why? Because the sun of truth had not dawned on the darkness of our hearts and minds. Light shined in the darkness, but the darkness comprehended it not. Forty nights, because we were ignorant in that night. Ignorant of the man that was in our midst, ignorant of the truth that he taught, ignorant of the God that raised him up for our salvation. All right, 40 days and 40 nights, then the Honorable Elijah Muhammad is no longer among us. Now we undergo a trial. The Caucasian people of this world were very happy when they heard that Elijah Muhammad was dead. In fact, they tell me at 10 minutes past 8 on that Saturday morning at Mercy Hospital, the doctors walked out to the Muslims who were there and said with a smile on his lips, the man known as Elijah Muhammad is dead. Their joy was, he's gone now. Their next trepidation was, will the new leader follow in the footsteps of his father? They already knew that the new leader did not agree with his father. So if the new leadership did not agree with the father, then the new leadership would follow a new direction. And that new direction did not trouble the government. And since it did not trouble the government, let us help that new direction. 
But what about the guy Farrakhan? Should we kill him? Well, let us try to make sure that he never rises again. Spread lies on him. Say that he robbed the people to live in luxury. Make the people who loved him turn to hate him on the basis of lies. This is always the way the enemy goes when he goes after somebody that the people love. You must turn love into hate because love will make men and women stand and face death for their loved ones. This is why Paul speaks in Corinthians about the power of love. Love overcomes all. Love feareth nothing. So when people love each other, it is difficult for Satan to break in there and pull his game. So Satan must turn love into hate by lies mixed with truth or outright lies made to look like truth then the people that loved you turn to hate you then the enemy can move on you as long as Jesus was surrounded by the people and loved by the people and believed in by the people the powers of government could not get to Jesus they said we must turn the people against Jesus so they kept sending people to question Jesus. Maybe today you call them reporters, but in that day, they were a different kind of reporter. Their object was to listen to your words, weigh them carefully, find anything in those words that they could say uh, meant blasphemy or sedition or some crime that the government could use to get at you. They took my words made here less than a month ago, twisted them about, trying to make mischief for me. I threatened the reporter. The FBI brought the tape to the U.S. Attorney's Office saying to him, go through it, see if we can make a charge on the man. I knew they had nothing from the beginning. And I said so before 30 million American people that if I'm guilty of such as threatening the life of a, of a reporter, I have offended the law, then arrest me, charge me, and bring me in a court of law and prove your charge. I knew they could not do such, and they knew they could not do such. But they strung out a so-called investigation. Then they released it yesterday. We have no, uh, uh, we cannot prove criminal intent beyond a shadow of a doubt. They still would not say I never threatened the man. They said they just couldn't go in a court of law and make it stick. But I know all the time that they are now exonerating me in a sense. From that, they are already working on something else. I'm not blind. I told the press in Washington, D.C., and I say it again to those who are listening. I know you better than you know yourself. 
And I said to them in Washington, do whatever you want to do to me. And I will open up the Bible and the Holy Quran and show you your footsteps. I'm fulfilling what is written of me and you are fulfilling what is written of you. Send down this food from heaven that should be an ever-recurring happiness to the first of us and the last of us and a sign from thee and give us sustenance and thou art the best of the sustainers. But look at what Allah said. I'm going to send it down to you. But whoever disbelieves afterward from among you, I will chastise him with a chastisement with which I will not chastise anyone among the nations. Now this is serious. Because it is saying to us that when God makes the truth for you so plain that a fool would not find, or would find it difficult to make a mistake and then after that truth is made known you turn your back on that truth after you prayed and ask God to confirm or deny what you had been taught. And he confirms it for you and you still won't stand by it. Then you are headed into the chastisement of Almighty God. Now I know we're in the last five minutes of this radio broadcast, but I'm not quite through with this subject. So I'm going to go on a few minutes. And those of you who are listening for the sake of a lie, on the outside, maybe you have time to come over so you can get the rest of it. Now, beloved, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad departed from us in 1975 and now in 1984 one of his disciples or students is now affecting the country they thought they had gotten rid of my father now a son rises up but what they hear coming from the mouth of the sun is even more stinging than what they heard coming from the mouth of the father. No, I want you to listen. Because now my work is to reprove this world. Take it or let it alone. I'm not to bow down to the president. Sorry. You bow if you want to. My job is to lash the government. Lash the leaders. Because a man from God was in your midst and you did not listen to him. My work is to lash the Middle East and the Islamic world. Take it or let it alone. I'm not to bow to nobody on the earth. My job is to rebuke both.
both worlds. Because the man was a Muslim, he came into a Judeo-Christian world. And Jews and Christians with a Bible full of prophecies that you have in your hand. You could have easily, if your hearts were not so perverse and your ears so dull of hearing, you could have heard Elijah, looked in the book and said, uh, this must be the one. You could have made it easier on yourselves. But no, you opposed him. You plotted against his life. Well, okay then. The Islamic world, you heard the man say he's the messenger of Allah. He never backed down in 40 years, even though the whole Islamic world believes that Prophet Muhammad of Arabia is the last of the prophets. Elijah Muhammad said, I am the messenger of Allah to you all. He never backed down. And the Islamic world did not believe him and worked against him. Now his son has arisen. here to make peace with you except on the terms of God I must speak the truth or die I'm not here to placate the Jews because the Jews have had the prophets and the scriptures you have had it in your possession and I speak directly out of that scripture and you do to me as you did to my father as the book says, they won't hear you because they didn't hear me. But when you turn me down, I'm telling you, you can call it a threat because that's exactly what it is. Death and destruction comes after I finish my message. You may laugh and say the man has gone crazy. He's overcome with himself. You check America out. Check out the tornadoes that are lashing America. Check out the weather. You haven't seen nothing yet. I'm not here, beloved. I'll say this again and again. You think it's just Farrakhan you're dealing with. No. I'm backed by the two most powerful beings in the universe, God and his Christ. You can take it or let it alone. I'll stay here. Take whatever they throw. They plan to bring me into court, but they don't want to bring me on these flimsy charges because they know that won't stand up. So they are working feverishly to find something with which they can charge me and try to make it stick to turn your, your love of me into hate. They have already tested the black community and they don't see weakness there. They see the imam has come out against me, but they don't pay that too much attention because he don't have the power of the people anymore. Yeah. 
last night when they were probing Nancy Jefferson, when they were probing Alderman uh, Kelly, when they were probing that wonderful reverend from Push, Mr. Gannett, I think. Harden, Harden. Thank you. Why, that wonderful brother, he was so brilliant. Every time they fired on him, he backed them up. Miss Nancy Jefferson backed them up. Alderman Kelly, the supreme consummate politician, he yet lashed them and backed them up. And when they went away, they had to be reporting in the Jewish circles. We tried. God knows we tried. But those niggers, those niggers, they wouldn't budge. We even tried to call Farrakhan a black clansman, and they rejected it straight out. Don't talk about my brother like that. What was the miracle that Jesus performed that made the people to love him so? Jesus went to the tomb of a man named Lazarus and said, Lazarus, come forth. And when Lazarus came out of the tomb, his hands were bound, his feet were bound, a napkin was around his eyes. And Jesus said, loose it and let him go. What is it? That makes the people show love and respect for Farrakhan. Farrakhan went to the tomb of the nation of Islam that was dead and said, Lazarus, come forth. And my brothers and sisters came forth with a napkin around their eyes their hands bound, their feet bound. And by the grace of Almighty God, I said, loose him and let him go. And now the nation is up again, right? That that was dead is alive now. Is that right? That that was lost is now found. Is that right? That that was blind can now see. Is that right? That you don't have to look for Jesus. He's right here in your midst. brothers and sisters those of you all who have notes and something that stands out for you that you would like to share go ahead and raise your hand we had to disable the chat this morning had a, a few trolls in here trying to rename themselves and stuff like that so uh y'all know the uh, uh uh the security squad was on deck and uh disabled the chat just for a few um Go ahead, babe, if you if you want to go first. If you guys want to raise your hand, go ahead and raise your hand. Don't raise your hand in the chat. 
raise your hand on the actual Zoom call. And for those who are tuning in, maybe on YouTube, uh, Facebook, things of that nature, and you would like to come on and share something that stood out to you from the minister, then you can just come on the Zoom by texting. Y'all see that thing scrolling at the bottom? Text NATION to 833-276-7174. Okay, go ahead. So, alaikum first. Um, the first thing is is two things. One that I kind of mentioned yesterday, but um, first thing was where the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan was quoting Allah, and um, I have skipped some parts in there, but for the most part, I have. Um, I am Allah. I Allah am the best knower. I cannot bring the best out of you that I have deposited in you. If I make it easy for you, you were conceived in pleasure, but you were birthed in pain. I give you these extremes, not because I don't love you, but because I do love you, that you may evolve into me. And that is so powerful (laughs) because not only does Allah want us to be great um, and exceptional beings, but he wants us to be like him. And that to me, shows such um, magnitude, of, such a magnitude of love um, because you don't, I personally, in the other religions that I have been a part of, have never necessarily heard them speak to us as though we are gods or even tell us that we're gods. Um, and truth be told, I mean, we are, but then to hear that that is also the will of God is for us to be more so like him. Um, I think that's, that's empowering in its own. And it just, those words will should awaken something in you. It should make you think like, okay, well, you know, there's, there, there is really no limit to our greatness. There's no limit to, um, the things that we're able to accomplish, God said, be and it is. We have that same power. Um, and I just absolutely love the fact that these things are instilled in us by the Honorable honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Um, so that, that hit home for me. But my second thing was, and this is always, always, always going to be my absolute favorite thing about the minister is that this man holds no fear in his heart whatsoever for anything. You will never see any leader um, of any congregation, any, um, what is it, synagogue, you just you just won't see it where they, they are unafraid to go toe-to-toe with their government when they are out of line, go toe-to-toe with anybody um, firsthand, and and really stand on it and say that I'm not afraid of death. I'm 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 willing to die for my people. Like, you know, you don't I highly doubt most preachers, most pastors <laughs> are gonna stand on the fact that they're willing to die for the redemption of their people. And that also was something that he said for us, not just for him. The fact that he is so verbal and so vocal vocal about the fact that you know, he does give his life for the redemption of us. Um, but in that same breath, we also need to have that same spirit. Um, 
where is it? Where he said, as a servant of God, I should be willing to pay whatever the price is necessary to see the people redeemed. What is the proof of your love of your people? You must be willing to die. And that goes for everybody. That's not just for one person. Um, I want for my sister what I want for myself. I want for my brother what I want for myself. And if that means I have to give my life to see them live freely, then, you know, the minister lives that. He's a, a walking example of that. And I think that's a great um, example for us all to be able to look at it and, you know, be empowered by. Yes, ma'am. <clears throat> Thank you. Uh, Sister Brianna. And while they're talking, team, well, first, I don't hear you, Sister Brianna, but while they're talking, keep their hand up. Don't take it down when, Here I, we go. when I call it. Don't wait till after they finish. Please. Go ahead. Yes. It, it, it wasn't allowing me to unmute at first. I sound like a fine folk. Like some, uh... Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Was this so good? Um, I have, so the first thing I put down, when he says that when a prophet comes, they always change the diet. And I heard someone the other day say, hey, well, all the prophets ate meat. They ate veal, baby cow. Like, they ate meat. How come, how come we can't eat meat? And what I say is that when Master Farah Muhammad got in person came, he told us the best meal is a meatless meal. And also, I always thought growing up that we couldn't live a thousand years. Well, that's crazy. But now that we know we can, even if they were eating meat, they were eating it once every three days, once a week. They weren't eating it every single day, a couple times a day. It was farm raised. It was clean. It wasn't injected with all these antibiotics and X, Y, Z, right? Um... So that that was that was powerful. He says the man will bear witness. The honorable minister was Farrakhan is so humble. He always gives credit to where it's due the honorable Elijah Muhammad. And not only does he give credit to him, even though we are we are taught that like you know we don't give two shakes of what the scholars of this world would say negatively, but even they bear witness. They bear witness. They now tell us that. Uh, what is it? Fasting is good. Well, we've been we've been getting taught that from the 30s, right? They're telling us that meat is cancerous. He's been teaching us this since the 30s, right? And the last thing is when he says, um, he says, you're not just dealing with me. You're dealing with the two men that back me. And in the shock of the hour uh, lecture, I believe April 26, 1992, the minister is spelling democracy all the way at the end. There's like two minutes left, the shock of the hour part one. And he's spelling democracy, and he messes up. And then when he finished spelling it, he's like, don't mind me. I only went to the third grade. Like, wow. Whenever I hear things like that, it's just so uh, huge. And it just really shows that he is not by himself, right? And he, he also says, I believe in one of the Twitter books, where he doesn't have independent thoughts, thoughts when he speaks. And even in the shock of the hour, he, he says, my wife looks at me different. Because she knows that this isn't me. This isn't the man that she married coming and speaking to y'all right now. So, man, like, whatever he says, do, do. Whatever he says, don't do, don't do. Uh, so, all praise due to Allah. This is phenomenal. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Thank you. Um, y'all funny. Y'all, y'all, the chat got turned off. Now y'all over there doing commentary in the telegram. <laughs> y'all are hilarious. <laughs> um, 
something that stood out for me is that God is not under obligation to make life easier for us just because we fast, just because we pray, just because we're doing the all the other stuff that we're doing that you know is right, but that doesn't mean that we won't suffer. That doesn't mean that we won't suffer any chastisement, persecution, things of that nature. In fact, he says he brings the pain not because he does not love you. It, it, is, it is because I love you. And I always revert back to whenever we're striving to build our muscle, there is pain, there is pressure, there is resistance that takes place in that process of being able to build. He says, I created myself out of darkness and became light. I want you to come the way I came to evolve into me. So think about how long he struggled uh, in the darkness of the universe uh, creating himself. So that long process of being in darkness, I mean, the little couple years, a couple months, a couple weeks, a couple days that we go through is nothing compared to what the supreme being or the originator had to go through. So just as a reminder, when we're going through difficulty, not to have the wrong attitude toward God, um, whatever you want to think about people. Well, I ain't going to say that we should always strive to have a good attitude and get the lesson out of it. But as far as whatever you're going through, don't curse God in the process. Actually, I wrote that down that don't do not go through it cursing God. We know Joe went through it. He went through trials, losing, stripping him of everything but his life. So always keep a positive attitude toward God because it's, it's, it's for you. And, you know, I always try to give a sports analogy because I play basketball. Whenever we play basketball, the coach may, uh, he, he actually would tell us, if I'm not yelling at you, if I'm not on you, that's a bad sign. Those players that he was always on was because he knew that was greater in us. He knew that, hey, man, shoot, you, you, you better than this. You got a, a much larger potential than what you're showing. And when I'm sending y'all to do suicides, for those who don't know, he's not, that's not suicides as you run up and down the court. But when, when I'm sending you to do suicides, when I'm sending you to go run a mile, when I'm sending you to do, you know, jump up and down on the bleachers and lift weights, Yes, it may be painful, but honestly, it's for your benefit. I'm not doing it because I don't love you. I'm doing it because I want you to be better. And that's the same type of attitude that we should have with the God when we're going through our our trial. So, yeah. You Hold on, what's your turn? Because it ain't your turn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sister, uh, Sister Shireen. As-salamu alaykum. Wa alaykum salam. So, um, the part that stood out to me is when he says, even though we hunger for the truth, we like, we have to have the proper foundation to handle it when it comes. Um, the, the thing that came to me is, um, relationships when people know they need to be apart from somebody else. And they put the responsibility of ending a relationship on somebody else. So, for example, a woman will say, well, oh, are you cheating? Just tell me the truth. And then the man go, yeah, I'm cheating. And then, <laughs> you know, she um, gets all crazy and irate and everything. And 
It's like, if you can't, it says in the Quran, don't ask about something if you cannot handle the the truth of it. And we get into these situations with other people expecting them to fix us and expecting that once we're in this, you know, experience with somebody else, that life is going to be perfect now. And that's just the beginning of the work. And so um, if you know something is in your heart and, and you know that that's the right thing to do, if it is not working, then then have the courage to move away from it and don't make it somebody else's responsibility to do that because that's that's your own truth. And we don't know the damage that we cause when we stay in situations too long, the damage that it causes children. Children are the ones that suffer when we jump into these relationships and then they become crazy and toxic and violent. And, and then we make it the other person's fault that life is a hot mess. So that's what came to me. Assalamu alaikum. Well, like salam. Go ahead. What were you going to say? When you were talking about um, relating it to basketball, that made me think of my mother. When we were children, my mother was a single mom of six children in the house. And we used to want to go outside and run and play and do whatever it is that we wanted to when we wanted to. And we would see other children outside being able to do that same thing. And they would have, you know, friends over the house. And basically, we always felt like my mother was strict because she never let us do anything. And she would tell us, you know, well, the reason I am this way with you all is because I love you. And the children who were outside just doing whatever, getting into all kinds of trouble and doing everything, she literally asked us, do you think that their parents care about them as much as I care about you if they allow them access to do these things, if they allow them to have all kind of people over their house while they're not home? And as children, we're looking like, <laughs> you really want me to answer that? But as an adult, honestly, I see I see exactly what it meant, what she meant, Um and that also brings me to think of how the minister was saying that mom is initially God's representative to children until they are able to come into their own with their, you know, their own relationship with God. Um, and I didn't have this realization until now, honestly. And um, so, yeah, that just that that's that ties into that for me. And it kind of struck a little nerve. Yes, ma'am. Uh, brother Samuel X, I see you out there bearing witness. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> right, brother, brother Ben, I really appreciate this, man. You you just started something on this this right here. This is pretty good. It's pretty good. But um, what I get from this, I, I was of course I was what writing about, so I couldn't write too much. But I try to write some things down when I got back home. Was basically what everybody's saying. It's the attitude. You know, you got in the Bible, you got the Beatitudes. And one of them says, blessed are ye when men shall revile you, rebuke you and say all manner of evil against you. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for such as they the fathers which were before thee. So I see the ministers as saying, it's like I trained track. One of the sports, I, well, I, the latest sports I trained is track. It's, you got to have the right attitude to become great. Mm. Uh, and you got to be not run away from pain. You got to be willing to run to pain 
in order to be one day be that champion that you want to be, right? So therefore, he don't make it. A coach don't make it like you said. He hard either for you. He make it hard for you, right? He make because we say no pain, no gain, right? And so when he said I like him the best, Noah. Well, if you put that mother, child, coach, student, teacher, whatever. Well, the coach is the best Noah, right? And so if you don't trust the coach, well, you can't really progress under that coach. Um, um, what else I wrote down? And, and as a coach, you know, he said, there's many things I could tell you, but you can't bear it now. Well, when you're coaching, you can't overtrain. You hate that. You hurt the athlete. So where I break my track training down, I got math, the times that they train at broken down mathematically. Well, if you run a 10-5, this is your training time. You run 11-2, this is your training time. Well, if I train you at the 10-5 time and you run a 12 flat, well, you're going to get hurt and you're going to quit. <laughs> you know, so there's many things I could tell you, but you can't bear it now. But, but you will be able to bear it if you trust the process, right? And so, and part of trusting that process as a coach also, I have a whole section on diet. This is how you got a diet. To run, you can't have the worst food and get the best out of your body. You can't put the worst fuel in the car and get the best gas mileage. You got to put the best fuel in the car if you want to train it to get the best gas mileage, right? So I see all that in it. Uh, um, then also, he said something about, like you said, the attitude we have. Uh, you got to have that positive attitude. And if you look at this uh, in mathematics, there's something called a quadratic equation. AX squared plus BX plus C. That's standard form. There's a standard. And if the, the leader of that quadratic is A, well, if you know A is positive, then you know it said makes a smiley face, right? But A is negative, that makes a sad face, right? And so as a coach, if even if it's your best athlete, if your leader is negative, hey, you gotta go. <laughs> because you're gonna call, you may go up a little bit, but you're gonna call us eventually to come down. So we got to keep the leader positive. And once you get to a certain level, once you get through the training, once you get to the end and you become that champion, and once that the spirit of champion is awakening you, then people will fear you because they know all the stuff they do, it ain't matter. They're probably not training, but you are. You put fear in them, right? And uh, then you find out something about yourself. You awaken that mind to the last dragon when you got that glow. Your mind, body, and soul is one, right? And so you are awakening that in people and then they can and tune can awaken that in other people who, who are afraid to go through the pain, who are afraid to go through that, who are still bound hand and feet, who can't see, got that napkin on the eyes. Right. And so all that stuff was just standing, standing out to me. And uh, that's it. I'm, I'm going to stop right there. I feel I'm going to Well, excellent. Thank you, sir. Uh, Sister Anissa. What stood out to me was when the minister said it's the manner of how you go through child that shapes your character, as well as difficulty is made to shape you for your purpose. So for that, that means to me, like, Allah is the best knower in every child that I face. I know he handpicked that child for me to overcome, and that is going to push me closer to my purpose. And then also with you, with, with what you say, Brother Ben X, it's not about the swift, it's about who can endure so no matter how many times I get knocked down, keep getting up, keep striving, keep executing to be better. Each time I get knocked down, just keep getting up. 
and feed in my mind. Also, what stood out to me was when he said, even though you hunger for the truth, you have to have the foundation to accept the truth. So I listened to this lecture before a year ago, but the way I'm receiving it now is not on understanding that I had a year ago. I'm seeing it and listening to it in a different light. I'm taking more stuff from it now. So it's just that, like having your mind open, like getting to the teachings, learning more, having a new like aspect on things and a new understanding opened my eyes to stuff that I didn't even realize before. And I'm receiving it in a different way. So that's all. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Another thing that I wanted to point out was the minister talked about what about he said speaking of them what about Farrakhan should we should we kill him and he said that you know they pretty much resorted to let's spread lies about him let's make the people who loved him turn to hate him on the basis of lies they turn love into hate off of the basis of lies mixed with truth or just straight up outright lies and that that also is the tactic like that is written i believe in the cointel pro documents so if you go look in the cointel pro documents um oftentimes they, they won't or or can't kill a person so what they would do is kill their image sort of like the honorable minister lewis farrakhan spoke about the crucifixion of michael jackson i believe he talked about in there them going after the reputation if you look at cat williams when they was trying to destroy uh was it Dave Chappelle uh Cat Williams spoke about how they had a problem with him and they said by the time he get home I think he was in Africa or somewhere overseas we'll have everyone thinking that you're crazy or on crack or this or that and that image became so if they can't destroy the man then they'll strive to destroy the image so if you look at the Cointel Pro documents they talk about uh creating false articles uh, they they talk about putting you not necessarily in quarantine pro document, but one of the things that they do is label you a hate teacher. This is where they get the anti semite when they talking about the minister and things of this nature. So um, be be mindful of how they work is very important as well uh, because they know there are people coming behind them, and if they can destroy the idea or destroy the support of the person or the man. This is how they try to destroy the movement because all of us got a flaw. All of us got a weakness. So they're going to try to hone in and blow that up so that we can say, well, we ain't going to follow nothing that this person is doing. And sometimes we do that um, out of immaturity. Uh, yes, it may be some things that this person may have done. She, he, whatever the case may be. But there's also a lot of divinity still in that person as well, because all of us are human beings. We hear the minister say all the time, I didn't fall out of heaven. Shoot, I came up from hell just like you. I smoke in my headband. I da da da. So he know so he's showing us, hey, I am human as well. We heard the minister, I think, I think he said it in the lecture yesterday about the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said I was so uh, mud was all the way up into my eyeballs. So like all of our messengers, none of them was angels and perfect not mean they wasn't angels I'm, let me take that back but they wasn't angels in the sense of they didn't do nothing they never thought about anything bad they never had a past 
Um, so with that being the case, when you think about what they tried to do with Martin Luther King, what they tried to do with the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, what they're trying to do with the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, trying to get us to throw the whole person away. And we're actually going to miss out on God because God works through human beings. And if we know we have we haven't been perfected yet and we misjudge a person due to a flaw that they have, we'll be missing out on actually we'll be throwing away God in the midst of throwing away our brother so when the minister says i know who we are when he's going to our people he looks past their faults he looks past the cussing the the robbing the killing he looks past those things because he know what the root of us is god and we are in this condition uh due to circumstance not due to this being our nature so the honorable Elijah muhammad said we're simply acting other than ourselves so i just want to point out the tactic that they will use they won't assassinate everybody but they will strive to assassinate the character they will try to destroy their reputation to get you to move from loving that person to hating that person and that'll be an easier way for them to get you to throw away all of their message or all of their good works that they've been able to do all right, let's go to Dr. Kenyatta Simmons. Uh, As-salamu alaykum. Um, so I have like so many different things to share, but I'm going to keep it short. Um, and it's so amazing how Allah works because in my studies, that um, for this week, I have been focusing a lot on or reading a lot um, about um, difficulties and how to handle difficulties. Um, and so just quickly, um, some of the things that really stood out to me, uh, which a lot of people have already stated, is when the minister talked about difficulties and the manner in which we deal in which we um, handle or deal with difficulties. Um, and also when he talked, when he said difficulty is a trial, but ease is a trial as well. So even looking at that, and I think one of the sisters always speaks about whenever we say after difficulty comes ease, ease doesn't mean that we relax. Ease means that that's also a trial. So looking at ease, ease doesn't mean stop movement, stop working or just like, oh, I can take a break now. So ease is also a trial. So even when the minister said that, that was definitely something that was um, a aha um, moment for me. And then when the minister talked about undeserved suffering is redemption. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, we ask ourselves, why, why, why am I going through this? And why me? You know, or we look at other people and we try to figure out, like, what does this mean for me? You know, looking at... Um, looking at difficulty and suffering as a as redemption makes you look at it differently so we don't run from difficulty you welcome difficulties or you run to difficulties because um as you run to difficulties you know you're you're actually getting closer to Allah you know you're getting closer to discovering your gifts and your purpose and why and what Allah has placed within you and the minister is such a great example because a lot of, you know, the minister has gone through and continues to go through so much suffering and difficulties. And a lot of time we, you know, we ask why, why are they treating the minister like this? Why are they, why, why are they coming down on the minister? Why can't people see? Why can't people understand? Why are we always negative? Why are people always negative with 
when it comes to the minister, when the minister has so much love. But then when you talk about when he talked about love and love fears nothing, the minister welcomes the difficulty like, don't worry about me. Don't worry. Don't worry about me. Don't ask why, because the more difficulty and the more I suffer, the more I'm actually moving in my purpose, the more I am showing the love that I have for Allah, the more I'm showing the love that I have for for us. So the minister does such a great job with just reflecting how to how to handle, how to accept difficulty, how to look at difficulty. So um, those are just some of the things that um, just stuck out, stuck out to me. So changing our mindset when we look at I'm not sure what happened, but I didn't see a one minute warning inside the chat. So I don't know if one of the admin can just let, unmute yourself and let us know what happened. But I didn't see a one minute one. So I know was that her. OK, I don't know. So I think someone may have muted me. But, yeah, that was just it. So just kind of looking at difficulty through a different mindset. Um, yeah, those are the things that stuck out to me. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. For those who are new, we do have a three to five minute uh, minimum on the share. But team, if y'all can just give a warning countdown before we before we mute. Uh, Sister Yasina. Oh, maybe y'all need to check y'all. So they said they send it to y'all directly. So just keep your eyes on the chat for your countdown. Assalamualaikum. Well, alaikum Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. So I'm just going to be honest, Brother Ben. When I saw the title of, of the uh, show today, I started to turn it off um, because um, of some things that I'm going through right now. When I woke up this morning after prayer, I was sitting and I was contemplating. I was like, okay. And changing my mind about a decision I, that I just made. And um, Allah led me to re just read the study guides. And so I went to the first study guide. And um, on page five, the minister says, now the key word is to face a difficulty. To face a difficulty means to look at it, to assess it, to summon the total strength of our being, to oppose it, to overcome it, to have a determined uh, persevering, courageous spirit to overcome the difficulty. There is no difficulty that man is faced with that man does not have the ability to overcome if he will summon the strength of his being against the obstacle in the pathway of his progress. And when the minister said this morning that um, when Allah wants to make us into himself, then we must do it with trial and tribulation and suffering. And as he brings us out of the suffering, he gives us joy, then puts us back into suffering again. He makes it harder, then makes it cool, but he's forging a people for his glory. And we've talked about this before, how, you know, life is painful. We do have our good times. We have our bad times. But the minister also teaches us that, you know, like we were talking the other day, whom God loves, he chases much. So I was laughing this morning after I saw the title. I said, well, he must really love me um, because 
you know, I'm always finding, you know, how you know how you just going through life, do 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 do, you're doing your thing, and then and then you get that bump in the road, or you get that thing that's there's a thing that you don't want to deal with, but the more you run away from it, the more it comes back and it comes back stronger. And sometimes it could be the same script, script, but a different cast. But that's it, but the lesson in it. So when the minister is talking in the study guide and, we, and speaking today, it was a reminder for me that, yeah, I can keep running away from it, running away from it, but there's something in it for me and it's going to, inshallah, lead me to his glory. So I thank you. And, you know, I'm grateful I didn't run away from, I didn't turn you off this morning. So I salam alaikum. Brother Daniel, Uh, so I'm like, hold on. Okay, my blood name is fine. Okay. Uh, so I'm like, um, oh, wow, this is another powerful one. Um, that, um, first, I want to, um, when the minister said, um, I heard it so many times him say this about, um, him being the spirit of co the comforter, rebuking the world of sin and judgment. And, uh, this morning, in particular, I thought about um, rebuking the world of sin and judgment. And wow, that was powerful. I was, um, I thought upon the personally, I thought upon when the time periods when um, I've had that judgment on myself. And, um, and I thought about world of sin and according to the scripture, sin wasn't talking about the actual activity sins is going to the root of when sin, when we miss the mark, or when we absent-minded, when we are not God-conscious, when we are not conscious of our divinity, we uh, we actually miss the mark. And therefore, 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 from when I'm having that moment, that's what causes the sin. And oftentimes, I would think it was actually talking about activity, which is easy to feign humility with doing righteous activity, but still coming from sin still coming from a mindset of being absent of missing the mark of not realizing who I am. Um, so when, so when the minister mentioned about the major prophets, all of them changed the diet. It made me think upon what was, what was my motive behind my need of changing the diet? Because when I was changed my diet, it was when I saw the connection between my, sexual desires and hunger desires and and um i know think and go richard talked about tr sexual transmutation about there's a direct linkage between sexual desires and hunger desires and our and being introduced to the subject of sex at seven years old in such a perverted fashion from a judgment state from feeling inadequate feeling not good enough um from that being the foundation, man, this is um deep. And, you know, um, there was a point when uh, I was re-triggered and I was going through a divorce. And it was a moment where um, my diet was pretty up to par. But at this moment, I was re-triggered and I was feeling less than. I was feeling inadequate. I was feeling not good enough. And I had a craving for sugar. And I remember eating a honey bun. And I hadn't eaten the honey buns since so long 
And I knew I saw a kosher sign on it, but I knew that if I even read the ingredients, I wouldn't have ate it. But at that moment, I did not want to even read the ingredients, even though I saw it looked like a paragraph on the ingredients. And I had to uh, evaluate, like, why did I crave for this? And then I saw the connection between my desire for sugar and, and my craving for love. And the craving for creamy foods was the craving for affection. And, um, and I, I, I got a lot of auditing after that time period because I had to do some real self-examination. Some, um, yeah. Okay, cool. Okay, um, but I just thank a lot. We got one minute left. <laughs> All this pausing, yeah. But um, it was a deep connection between the diet and um, wow, the diet, the fasting was all just remedies from all the traumas, and also Dianetics. Um, and I'm gonna say this real briefly in the few five, maybe ten, five, so many seconds. Facing the difficulty. That is um that is the key thing. It's not when you audit it, you can't judge the person based upon what they're doing. You have to go back and realize something that happened to the person or something that happened to myself. And I had to confront it, self-examination, self-analysis. And the only way to attack my own demons is to confront it, attack it. Okay, I'm finished. Awesome welcome. Well, like a salam. Yes, sir. Next, we got Brother Dion. Yes, sir. Assalamualaikum. Malik Salam. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, beautiful brother, Brother Ben. Always, brother, I commend you with your platform. And I'm just overwhelmed, brother. You know, I'm just following along, you know, tuning in as I can tune in. So much stood out to me that the minister said. I'm pretty sure we all can echo that. Uh, so I'll grab one thing. I uh, like what the young sister said when she said she at the end of uh, the shock of the hour, I believe she said that the minister said something about I only went to the third grade. You know, I was smiling and elated when the sister said that because I bear witness to the minister. Uh, seems like the most honorable Muhammad was coming through him. So I tested with the sister page. That was wonderful hearing you say that, sister. Um, and everybody else that have spoke. Uh, many things stood out. The food, I'll speak on the food as well. Um, because that is true. Just in regards to our diet, um, it can keep us more focused. But to me, it also keeps us more spiritually inclined to receive guidance. Um, so I believe that um, that is absolutely true in regards to the food. The brother that just finished, man, brother, keep that wonderful spirit that you have, brother. Um, it seems like Allah, you know, has taken you through something, brother, like all of us. So keep that spirit that you have. But, yeah, I will attest to the food. I remember one time, brother Daniel 4X, brother Ben, earlier on during COVID, my wife was a part of the tribe. I was pretty much, you know, in and out. And brother Daniel Forex spoke about, he spoke about fasting during one of your sessions. And it kind of threw a few people for a loop. But what I said to myself and I shared it with my wife, I said what the brother is sharing actually will help people economically. So this spiritual food that brother Ben is, is bringing to this platform 
also will help us economically as well and keep a strong economic foundation. And lastly, the minister spoke about factories, airplanes. He said he represents another world. So keep in mind, all of us that follow the brother, which is Brother Ben, and this platform, we're going towards economic freedom. This spiritual platform is the foundation for us to stand strong economically. So I wanted to say that I'll sign off with that. But beautiful, brother, and beautiful to everyone uh, that spoke. As-salamu alaykum. Wa alaykum salam. And just to uh, bro, witness to that, I, I highly concur because uh, maintaining a business, I've been amongst several business people, been a part of different businesses where, you know, thousands of dollars are made, but also millions of dollars was made. And the, the root of it is... Um, the spiritual part. What could have kept some of them together, I honestly think all of them, was a spiritual foundation. Because at the end of the day, once you got your product up, the website is up, you know what I mean? You got your ebook or your course up, like the economic part, that's there. You already got your payment processor. When they give you a card, they swipe it, you receive it. That part is done. You're doing your marketing. You may have ads running. But what maintains the business, what maintains the the employees, the staff, the customer service, the business partner relationship, all of that is spiritual, like literally. So I, I agree with you, brother Dion, and a lot of people, I believe, are missing out on that part. We're always looking for the new economic tactic, the new AI technology that can make everything easier, that can automate everything. And that's good. But. There, at the end of the day, a human being has to monitor the AI. A human being has to monitor and manage the system. A human being has to manage and monitor the, the VAs or whatever the case may be. So at the end of the day, it's always going to come back to the spiritual part. And the minister broke this down with the cross. He talks about that vertical line, that upright line, and that vertical line typically being longer on the cross than a horizontal line because you have to be more spiritually and mentally upright to be able to manage and maintain the horizontal economics, your land, your businesses, and things of that nature. So um, just want to say, man, I highly agree, and from experience, I know that to be an actual fact. Uh, go ahead, Sister, Sister Yolanda. Um, what stood out to me was in the beginning when the minister mentioned Allah allows difficulty because how can he deposit into you if everything is easy, which brought me into the thought process of the food when Allah sends a major prophet, he allows talks about the diet. So how to eat to live with one or two. If we don't have it, let's get it digested, go through it. And along with the food, I also thought of consumption. In that word consumption, consuming the music I listen to also interferes just as the food does because it sends that frequency to your nerves and your cells and your body, which can trigger desires for foods that we should not be eating or aren't best for us to eat. In the message to the black man on page 36, it says, first, in order for us to reason, we must have a thorough knowledge of self. But how can we obtain a thorough knowledge of self if we're constantly in the consumption of things that are not good for us? 
it'll be hard for us to hear that voice of reason. It'll be hard for us to hear that in the spirit within us that's pricking us saying, no, 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 go right, not left or straight. I said, go right. Another point when he spoke on Paul speaks in Corinthians about love. Growing pains is in love. Work is required in love. In Corinthians, a footnote for chapter 13, verses 4 through 7, it says our society confuses love and lust. Unlike lust, God, God's kind of love is directed outward toward others, not inward towards ourselves. It, utterly, it's, it is utterly unselfish. This kind of love goes against our natural inclinations. It is impossible to have this kind of love unless God helps us set aside our own natural desires so that we can love without expecting anything in return. We cannot manufacture this kind of love when we do not feel it. We gain it only through the Holy Spirit. Romans 5, chapter 5, verse 5. We never love perfectly. Only Jesus and the Jesus to me in my midst today is the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Only he can. Thus, the more we become like Christ, the more love we will show to others. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. All right, look like our last hand is uh, is that Shan or or Cheyenne, or did I get both of them wrong? Oh no, it's uh, Keon. That's Assalamu alaikum. I was way off. My bad, Keon. Right. Uh, yeah, I also wanted to ask what you were saying uh, with, with the minister going through his trial. You were saying uh, you, sh you shouldn't curse a lot in your trial with this anger, fear, uh, frustrations, or pain. You know, the minister was saying when he was in pain with a lot, and he was thanking a lot for the pain because he was bringing them closer to a lot. You know, and Quran talks about, you know, being patient, you know, praying for patience. Prayer through Allah, like when you're going through your frustration, you know, Allah bless you for your patience to see, you know, a way out through that, you know, whatever you want, like, like the prophets have insights and foresight, but you know, see ahead of to what it is that Allah trying to bless you with, you know, when you get through your trial, you see what was, you know, behind the scenes, but, um, you know, and like when you're going through anger, trial through anger, you know, by anger is actually like a sign of defeat, you know, because. Um, you know, Allah, you know, he showed you the way with, uh, say, uh, like with our people, when we, we talk to them and they say something to offend you, you know, against, you know, an argument to, you know, the teachers, you know, you might have to, you know, practice your patience because your patience gets stronger and stronger every time you, you know, going through the trials, it builds you up for, you know, the next time you said, Mr. was saying your patience, you know, when you, when you hold back, you know, you know, release that anger at a different time, you know, it, it's time for everything, so but like, uh, it was something else you said, I forgot what it was, but um, uh, oh, I was going to add on to what they were uh, the food but, uh, you know, it's just that your cravings last you know, like four to five minutes, you know, you can find something to do, like, you know, uh, start a movie or something, you know, to you know, just pass that time away instead of eating, you know, eating your video games a little bit safer than the food, literally, you know, to eat all the chemicals and stuff, you know, but, uh, 
that's about it though, bro. I don't like it. Well, excellent. Man, as I'm reading this telegram, I actually think this may be a better format. Well, y'all just do your commenting in the telegram, you know, long as y'all not doing yes, sir, and fire emojis, you know, like, you know, your, your, your commentary, because we can, it can save right there in the telegram. So this may be a better way to keep the trolls away, because, you know, them trolls, they, they coming as this thing grow. I know they coming. They was here in the beginning, so I know they're going to try to find their way back. They were doing some crazy stuff in the beginning. I ain't even going to talk about uh, let's go to uh, Brother Young Conda Don. Oh, man. Hold on. Who is that? Oh, that was the other brother. Okay. Uh, peace. Assalamu alaikum, everybody. Uh, what stood out to me was when the minister talked about the Israelites asking for manna from heaven. And if you look up and understand what manna is, manna is divine spiritual revelation or that which is good for the mind and if y'all think about it we are living in the time to where we are being given manna from heaven we are being given the supreme wisdom from god himself that the world has been looking for and thirsting for for the past 66 trillion years so how can we be given the greatest wisdom that the world has ever known and not be given the greatest test and the greatest trials to go with it so don't ask yourself why me ask yourself why not me don't ask yourself why am i going through it say what is god making of me because when we run from trial and when we run from difficulty we are only running from being made great so that manner from heaven, man, that supreme wisdom is making us into supreme beings. And we are blessed to be living in a time that the prophets and people before us wish they could be in this day. But God said to the Israelites, now I'm going to give you this food. But after I give you this food, after I know that you know better, if you don't stand on what I'm giving you, I'm going to chastise you worse than anybody else in the annals of history because I've given you the greatest wisdom. So if y'all going through it in your life right now, maybe it's because we rebelled. Maybe it's because we not standing on what he fed us to grow us into God's. And now we got to be chastised until we submit. I just wanted to put that on your mind. Thank you, Brother Ben. That's my takeaway from the power call. Praise be to Allah. Well, family, it is 10 o'clock. Uh-oh, my bad. Uh, it is 10 o'clock. I thank everybody for giving your feedback. Uh, if you are tuning in on YouTube or, you know, Facebook, things of that nature, go to uh, text the word nation to 833-276-7174. Text the word nation to 833-276-7174. And if you would like to be my special guest this Friday or Sunday, uh, go to www.noistudygroup.com, www.noistudygroup.com. And remember, if y'all go to your local Muhammad Mosque, take a picture of your sign-in sheet and send it back to us so we can verify that we was able to help you get there, family, okay? So we'll see y'all tomorrow for part two of After Difficulty Comes Ease. Assalamu alaikum.